This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rutschen here, and we're going to be talking about gardening, all things gardening. If, you, if it's garden-related, you know, anybody's been listening to this program for the past, I don't know, Java, how long have we been doing this? 15, 20 years? Something, who knows? <laughs> well, you, yeah, mean, you, you have been doing it for a long time. I've, I've been here for five years. You were here before I got here, and I believe you were here before my predecessor got here, so you tell me. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, uh, this this month starts my. Let me see. I started in. Uh, this be my twentieth year on NPR. How about that? No, I, start, okay. I started as soon as I retired from university, and I did that when I was fifty uh, because I had a federal appointment. Uh, I immediately uh, left commercial radio and came over to NPR. I think it was one of the first talk programs that that we had here at MPB. So I did twenty years ago this month. How about that? Congratulations, man. Thank you. And and over the years, even the the, the long time you've been my, my esteemed producer, you know I don't know it all, and I'm okay with that. And like I tell you all the time, that's what makes you special, man. A lot of people get on the microphone and flub for the sake for the sake of not looking bad. But, I mean, hey, I don't know is a, a proper phrase, and it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, as a as a professional, uh, I mean, I'm a horticulturist and supposed to be a garden expert, written all these books and stuff. But a lot of people expect experts to know it all. The problem is, when the expert knows it all, he's going to say something. He or she's going to say something sooner or later that's just not right. And everybody else, all the experts, say, "Well, that person's an idiot." Well, I'm not an idiot. I'm ignorant. Ignorant means you just don't know yet. Stupid is when you can't admit it. But anyway, I feel like that I can help folks on most things that are related to gardening. That's what we're here for. MPB brings these live local pro- produced programs for folks who have questions about all sorts of life experiences. And um, as a matter of fact, uh, we're going to talk uh, after the break about you know me wanting to join one next week on a medical matter. But meanwhile, how you and yours doing, Job? Doing all right? Yeah, man, we're doing all right. I keep telling people, if you can believe it, we're at the end of July um, in a couple of weeks. The kids will be going back to school. And I just had the <laughs> thought of the, the seeds in the cup. I know that's one of like the early science experiments that they um, that they do at the school to watch the seeds sprout open. Yeah. And, um, How'd that do? What'd you say? How did it do? How did it do? Oh, it always, you know, it always does fine. It's just that that that, that wonder of seeing the the green come out of uh, usually the white or the brown seed that's yeah. uh, always, you know, spectacular for the kids. Well, I'm looking forward to getting back uh, in a month or so. I'll, I'll be back in in the own garden, and it's going to be interesting to see how it's done over the past two months or so. It'll be three months at the time with nobody watering. Just whatever falls from the sky, and you know, it can go weeks between whatever falls from the sky. So. You know, it'd be a testament to whether over the past several decades, me looking for really tough plants that will tolerate our weather, it'd be a testament to see how well it does. And, of course, we'll report on that. Speaking of reporting, Java, uh, I just got back last night from a once-in-every-10-year event. I think I mentioned it uh, uh, earlier uh, a month or so ago, but Europe has this big flower show called Floriade. Floriade is every 10 years, and it's where... 
the top horticulturists from the Netherlands and France and Spain and in uh, Saudi Arabia and China and Germany, they all get together and they put on this incredible demonstration of flowers and designs from around the world. This is my third one to go to. And uh, I spent a lot of time, uh, 8.2 miles, as a matter of fact, walking up and down, looking at stuff and taking pictures. And I got some cheesy, cheesy ideas uh, that I'm going to share with folks on a blog and on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook uh, probably a little bit later this afternoon. But I would like to remind folks it's a call-in program. It's live. It's toll-free. If you don't know something, you know, maybe we can work it out. Give us a call toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring Pretty straightforward, folks, here at MPB. Now, at this uh, Floriade, did you see any uh, <laughs> any bottle trees or, or tire planters? <laughs> uh, well, it, as, as a matter of fact, <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of stuff. Well, the, the first thing I want to mention, uh, the most incredible flower borders, the big flowing perennial borders that are head high and in, 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 everywhere, in every display, all over the place, were full of plants that Mississippians call weeds. I'm talking about goldenrod and uh, leatrice and phlox, so many of our native Mississippi wildflowers, and, and vines like trumpet creeper. Uh, these, these plants are commonly used in European and, and Asian gardens because they're beautiful plants, and we often overlook them because we'd rather plant something from somewhere else. So one thing Floriad has shown me is that when it comes to gardening, it is a, world, a, a global thing. People all over the world share plants according to the climate, and almost all of them use a majority of the plants uh, that bloom in the summertime and the fall are from Mississippi. And that's kind of interesting to find out. I did see uh, there was a, a house that was made out of uh, one of the walls was made out of glass. It was kind of, you know, it looked like uh, just a whole bunch of bottles. I went inside and looked out. It was incredible indoors. The light coming through all these, every color of the rainbow, and they were just bottles filled with colored water. What they had done is they put different kind of flowers and foliage in water and let those colors infuse the water. So it was just a, a kaleidoscope of colors coming in through this glass wall of just jars filled with, with colored water and different color flowers in them. I now, that, that sounds neat cool. right there, yeah, letting the water just oh, yeah. get infused. That, 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 I bet you that looks nice. As a matter of fact, I, I can send that picture uh, to use with our, our podcast today. But one other thing is they had a really interesting urban garden made of, you know, all the walls and the sculptures and the seating and the and water. Everything was made out of recycled rubble from cities and, uh, and, and the concrete rubble wall. In between the, the pavers, they had uh, Coca-Cola bottles stuck head down. And I know the Coca-Cola bottles because they're the only ones that are that color and that thick. But they had look like rivers of Coca-Cola bottles flowing through the paving. So I thought, does that count as a bottle tree? Yeah, something's close. (laughs) It's close enough. (laughs) There you go. Well, we can talk about that other kind of stuff. But meanwhile, we're here to chat with people about what's going on in your garden. Give us a call, toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. We're going to start out over in Louisiana. Dinah, how are you this morning? I'm okay, Miss Good. Hello. Yes, Howdy. We're we're on you're on MPB. What's up today? Uh yes. I have a pear tree. It's a Japanese pear tree and it's like I don't know, maybe twelve years old. And it does have pears on it. But I can't remember from the previous times exactly when they're ripe. Is that more of a fall thing? 
No, it's uh, it really depends on the on the variety. There are some some pears and apples and, and others that that ripen earlier than others. Uh, unfortunately, without knowing what variety is and the the conditions grown under, you really can't tell. So uh, all I can suggest is is every now and then just squeeze one, and it starts feeling a little bit a little bit squeezy. Uh, take a bite out of it, and it feels like it's starting to sweeten up. Then you need to start thinking about beating the squirrels and the birds to it. But there's nobody can predict exactly when it's going to happen, depending on the weather and the variety. So you're just going to have to feel it, squeeze it, smell it maybe, then take a bite. Definitely. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate your call. Okay. You know, the, you know Java, there's different kind of fruits. I don't remember if pears or climaractic. Let me see. I'm going to actic pears. Now, Felder, you I know love- you just came up with another T-shirt, right? What's that? You said squeeze it, smell it, and take a bite. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It, if if it if it smells okay and it feels okay, then take a bite out of it. But I wouldn't do it the other way around. Oh no. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But some fruits, when you pick them off the uh, when when you take them off the tree or off the vine, they continue to ripen. Uh, some won't. Uh, strawberries, for example. As soon as you pick those, they start going down real quick. Um, tomatoes, you can pick them when they're a little bit on the green side when they start to show color, and they'll go ahead and and, uh, uh, and and ripen off the vine. I don't remember if pears are that way or not, but but when we come up in our break, I'll look at. I've got it called up, but I can't talk and read at the same time. But um, so I tell you what, while I look that up, let's take a real quick break, and when we come back, I want to address something that just came up in Mississippi. It's a potentially serious. It's certainly a serious worry. But how serious it's going to actually be, we don't know yet. But when we come back from the break, I want to address a brand new uh, breaking uh, event in Mississippi that relates directly to gardeners. I'm horticulturist Phil Rushing. I'm overseas right now. Just got back from Floriade, the world's largest European flower show. Um, and we're going to come back and talk about gardening of any sort, any description. Give us a call again. We'll give the numbers right after this, but uh, me and Java and the other folks in MPB, we welcome you to, to our program, and we'll be right back after this. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. kind of oddball things where people talk about I'm going to eat some worms and eating dirt and all like that. 
But uh, did you get that email I sent you about this uh, thing called meliodosis? Yeah, I got it, and I was I was kind of intrigued because this is uh, it's breaking, breaking yeah breaking news, news yeah. Uh, in matter of fact, uh, I would I'd like to uh, if I could uh, check in with the medical folks on uh, is it medical matters? Oh, Southern so- Remedy. Yeah, Southern Remedy, uh, because they're on top of things. But uh, apparently there's a bacteria that some people, uh, when they go to tropical countries, they work with farmers, gardeners, there's a bacteria in the soil that can make some people sick. It gives them aches and chills and headaches and fevers. And in some cases, if you've got you know, if you comprised immunity, it can actually be fatal. Well, it's just been discovered for the very first time in the United States it was found in two places on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So we're first in something. No. <laughs> I'm not trying to go there, but uh, anyway, it was just discovered, was diagnosed. And um, and I, I'm going to get more information about it, but I, I've already started getting emails about it. People on Mississippi Gardening uh, Facebook have been asking about it. So in just in a nutshell, uh, I'd like to point out meliodosis is a rare disease, and it's called by, caused by soil-borne bacteria, just discovered for the first time in Mississippi. Uh, it's usually not fatal, but the Mississippi State epi, epi, epidemiologist. Epidemiologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Paul Byers, I met Paul some years ago. Uh, he says that because uh, it being identified in Mississippi, people at high risk for infection uh, living on the Gulf Coast should take recommended precautions. And basically what that means is if you've got, um, uh, if you're at a high risk of severe infection, uh, don't play in the muddy water. Avoid contact with soil, especially after heavy rains. Protect open wounds with, uh, with gloves. Uh, and wear waterproof boots if you're guarding and, and yard work and it's really wet out there. But basically it says wear gloves. He didn't say don't chew your fingernails, but the the bottom line is this is a soil-borne bacteria. It's just been discovered. It's extremely rare, but it's of concern. And so we're going to get a little bit more information about that and bring it to you next week or during Southern Remedy. Um, is that Wednesday? Yeah, the original Southern Remedy is uh, Wednesday at 11 a.m. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't, you're the producer for that, though, aren't you? No, that's uh, Kevin Farrell. So I'm gonna talk uh, with him, and uh, I believe I believe we can work something out. Yeah, yeah. If you if you could see if, if you could get uh, uh, Paul Burns on there or something like that, I think it's worth knowing because a lot of people are gonna be freaked out because you know I don't I don't I'm not a protected gardener. I don't wear gloves, and I get cuts and scrapes and stuff like that. And I'm just curious about it. We need to find out. We need to stay on top of this. So that's sort of a cut the thing that we uh, try to bring to folks here at MPB. So if you have some questions about it, give me a call, but uh, I'm going to have a full report next week. Uh, meanwhile, uh, let's talk to a fellow named Fletch calling from Mississippi. Fletch, where are you calling from, man? Today I'm in actually in Flowood. Flowood, okay. What's going on there? But all good. Um, your song reminded me that one of Skip Adide's, uh entrepreneurial uh, um options or uh jobs back in uh in the nola 70s days was uh growing night crawlers yeah you know i I remember you you and skipper dog and my mother's probably involved in that somewhere Uh, you know what one actually actually edible they're high protein and low cholesterol believe it or not but what a what a weird thing man so yeah their 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 excrement i think is just too uh uh 
too high of a ratio versus the uh, that protein. Yeah, well, um, you're supposed to you're supposed to run them through some moist cornmeal first to purge them, but we're not going to get into all that. They do have a, ah, okay. an earth, they have an they have an earthworm cooking contest in California every year, but they always run run some uh, moist cornmeal through the worms first. But anyway, what what else you got? We we cook ours on the sidewalk, I guess. All right, so uh, <laughs> two questions. One, one um, on your bottle, your Coke bottle uh, walkway. Uh, yeah. I take it they didn't have names of towns on it where you could see it? You know, now this is really strange. I'm going to go back and look at the pictures because, I, I, you know, I, I, I went through literally three days of flower show in one day, and I didn't really. But I'm going to go back and look at the pictures That's because it might be one from, from Mississippi. It'd be neat if it were European uh, or uh, American. Um, yeah, yeah. main reason I called was, We've got some pretty healthy hydrangeas uh, in our courtyard. We continually have a pretty healthy um, um, number of mosquitoes, regardless of what we do. Are they probably harboring that big canopy of hydrangeas? Are they harboring the mosquitoes? Well, adult mosquitoes, you know, they, they take refuge in the daytime in foliage. You know, so if you've got a bunch of shrubs and all, you know, that that's not where they, they don't live there, but they'll stay there where it's cooler and moisture during the daytime. And I would imagine hydrangeas, because they have big leaves, they probably give off a good bit of moisture and keeps them cool. So, so yeah, uh, you know, mosquitoes hang out in the daytime in dense foliage, no question. Any suggestions on mitigating that? No, no. Wear long sleeves, put on stuff, personal protection, because there's nothing that's going to effectively, and there's a lot of companies out there that sell mosquito control, um, and they can work to some extent for a little while, but mosquitoes can come from three blocks away, and the first breeze sure. comes along, and you'd have to kill virtually everything out there to fully get rid of them. So it boils down to personal protection and, and a fan. Good deal. Thanks, sir. Take care. All right, man. Good to hear from you. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm going to have to go back and look at these pictures of these beer bottles to see if they have, because I'm not beer bottles, Coca-Cola bottles on the bottom of them. At least the old ones used to have what state they were made in. I've seen an entire collection of all 50 states of of Coca-Cola bottles. But anyway, Tom is calling from on the road. Tom, where are you, man? I'm heading south to do gopher tortoise and Florida harbor strand surveys, but wanted to talk to you about something you like, which is my first seasonal observation of blooming Solidago here, golden rods. Yeah. I noticed yeah. this in West Jackson yesterday. Um, so just let, I know they like it in Europe, so there you have it. One more thing. Uh, I think uh, Java, <laughs> learned a, Java learned a new word yesterday. I'm going to see if he remembers it and if you know it. Uh, the, with the, in, the, in your heat in Britain last week, did you see squirrels fluting? No. Squirrels what? Spluting. Ask Jabba. Yeah, okay. yeah. This is uh, yeah. Hey, hey, Tom, Tom, man, correct? Yeah, yes. Yeah, spluting, uh, Felder, is if you ever seen like a dog and they lay flat out with their hind legs kind of, oh. kind of open, kind of <laughs> open, getting cool. That's what you call spluting. I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen that. I've done that a time or two myself, but never on a, on oak tree limb. <laughs> Yeah, well, that and sidewalks, things like that. There's pictures all over around Texas. I see them here as well of um, squirrels and chip, chipmunks on our back porch splooting. So yeah, there well, you have it. Let me ask. Let me ask you this while I got you online because you grow oh, go a lot of kind of fruits. How 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 do these blueberries do with the? Uh, 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 is that new? Uh, 
uh, fruit flies it causes it still causes I did not problems. I did not re- I did not see much of it this year because it was hot and dry so that uh, it sterilizes the male fruit flies above 90 so we had no issue with that had a great blueberry year but the figs and the um, the pears and about everything else is suffering from too many not too many non-splooting swirls deer. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Okay. And raccoons. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, not much you can do about that except use no. bird netting and tie it around the bottom of your shrubs and hope that that works. Uh, let, let me ask you this, Tom. Uh, I had a call earlier. A woman wanted to know how to tell if her, she said Japanese pear. I'm assuming it's an Asian-type pear. Uh, they are they are climactic. They'll ripen off the, off the tree. Won't okay. Uh, the, the, Chinese, the Chinese pears, I think not. European pears, yes. Okay. And integrates well, between them, I can't say, but in general, you want to uh, pick the Asian pears when they're ripe, and you want to on the tree, and you want to, yeah, and you can pick the Europeans a little bit early and let them sit on the counter and ripen in general. Yeah, but, so. but the only way you can tell is feel them, smell them, bite them. Yeah, the color shift, and, and, and uh, yeah, if the size, if it's European pear and it's large enough late in the season, Take and let it sit there for a few days to a week, and uh, the color shifts. It's and it, 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 if the seeds are black, when you cut it, if the seeds aren't black, it wasn't ripe, wasn't ripe enough. Yeah, you need you need dark dark seeds, dark brown, black, whatever. Well, that, that would that would work on the on the the uh, the ones from from China too, wouldn't they? So you well, cut into one I of don't. The, I just I don't think they they don't do as well once you've picked them. It's just, yeah, gotcha. I think. All righty, man. Well, hands on the wheel. Let let us know how things are going when you get down on the coast. No kidding. Um, I'm not that. I won't go that far down. Again, we're looking for tortoises and Florida harvester ants. For those that haven't um, heard of those. <laughs> yeah, well, I we'll think you, you told go. me one time you can, you can tell where the uh, the gopher tortoises are by the harvester ants. Mm, the range is large overlap here in that town, but where you find both, both do well. Um, yeah. Because because in general, where you find both, you're missing fire ants. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have as many fire ants, so they both reproduce okay. well. So that's it. All right, Tom. Listen, we right. appreciate your calling, man. Thank you. Bye. Okay, Tom, man, grows a lot of different kind of fruit. Matter of fact, I got a couple of different kind of figs from him, and he also showed me grafting a pear tree one time. Anyway, let's slide up to Memphis, Tennessee. Mike, how are you doing today? Hey, man. Getting rained on here today. Good. My question is, uh, now my squash and, and zucchinis and stuff have petered out. What should I be planting this time of year in my vegetable container garden? Well, it's a good question. You can still plant up until, well, really, this is sort of the last week. If you wanted to squeeze in some more summer stuff, maybe some more squash uh, in containers, uh, maybe some tomatoes or even peppers. If you get in in Memphis this week, you, you still have plenty of time to harvest. We're at the beginning of the season for planting the cool season things like like uh, cabbage and broccoli and uh, collars and kale. You can still plant those a month from now, but you can start planting uh, some of those kind of things: carrots, beets, lettuces. As long as it's not too hot, you can you can grow some leafy greens. But we're sort of at the beginning of the season for those things over the next month or so. So uh, kind of in-between stuff. But, again, if you want to set out a few flowers, some marigolds, and some more squash, and give them a try. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about from seed or from uh, on those tomatoes? Are you talking about oh, no, from I, seed or, or getting gonna, plants? 
I, I sit out the transplants. Tomatoes and peppers, I sit out as transplants. But the other things like squash and all, you can still sit out from seed. You know, we still we still have a as long a season between now and fall as as Northerners have all summer long. So we still have a good full season if you get right on it for summer stuff. Uh, but then again, you know, you can just re- rework your dirt and, you know, let it rest for a little bit and plant, start planting the fall stuff in the next two or three weeks or so. I just can't stand bare dirt. Yeah, well, I, 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 I <laughs> Something know. needs to grow. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, if nothing else, you know, just, you know, put you some, uh, see if you get some ryegrass seed or something growing there just to kind of grow up there and turn it into empty. You can work up potting soil even by growing some organic matter. But, you know, a few flowers, just take something that's pretty in there for right now. And about a month, start the, the fall crops? You can start fall crops right now. You just got to watch the watering a little bit more because it is so hot. Oh, okay. All right, man, I sure appreciate it. Okay, Mike, appreciate your call. Thank you. And uh, we're going to take a little break, I guess, uh, Java, if you want to uh, play the cheesy tune. It's not a long tune. It's more of a traveling tune because I've, I've spent the past week on airplanes, trains, ferries, um, buses, foot, car, tra- every possible kind of way. And I just Did you throw in horseback? Didn't do any horseback, didn't do any horseback, but I mean, just about everything else from subways and everything, you know, European travel, they got it down there. But uh, I just thought I'd play a little quiet thing to sort of get my head wrapped around being back talking about gardening, instead of looking at gardening, talking about gardening. So here at MPB, me and uh, Java Chapman and other folks, we're going to take a little bit of a short break and come back. We've got the lines wide open. If you want to give me a call and talk about gardening, toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. This is my 20th year of being on NPR. We're going to come back and talk with you about your garden right after this. Welcome back for the Coast of Zelda Rushing. And if you want to give us a call, it's toll free 1 877 MPB ring. Uh, I see where a call is starting to come in. But, Java, let me throw something out at you. I said I was going to send you a picture of this, this bottle. I don't know what I said I was going to send you. I took so many pictures at Florian. But I also visited in Amsterdam the oldest botanical garden in Europe. Uh, it's called Hortus Botanicus. And it was started in the 1630s. That was 100 years before we started giving plants Latin names. So so I'm setting this up. You see, this is a big deal, Botanical Garden, right? Yes, sir. That That is a big deal. <laughs> well, in, in this ancient Botanic Garden, where they have plants from all over the world, they had a butterfly house. It's just incredible stuff. The only sculpture they have in this entire garden, the only sculpture, is a huge sculpture of magnolia grandiflora uh, 
our state flower, our, what's on our state flag. The only sculpture in Europe's oldest botanic garden is our magnolia flower. Ain't that something? The mighty magnolia. That's right. Well, I'm gonna send a, I'm gonna send you a, a picture of it to put on our uh, on our podcast for today. So, look for that, man. Anyway, I was real pleased to see that. I felt felt real special. And, but they didn't do it because of Mississippi flower. They did it because it's one of the coolest flowers on earth. It actually evolved before bees and butterflies. It was it evolved to to be pollinated by beetles and stuff. So it's been a, been around a long time. So anyway, let's slide down to the Gulf Coast to Bay St. Louis and talk with Vicky. Vicky, thank you for calling. What's up? Hey, good morning. Uh, we were talk- you were talking about all the bottle walls and houses. Well, not houses, but have you ever been to Supply, North Carolina, to see Mary's Gone Wild? Or have you heard no, of but- that? Oh, oh, no, I, I haven't been there, but I've not only heard about it, I've read about it, I've seen a lot of pictures of it. You know, there's a, oh, yeah. and there's a, yeah. there's a note, yeah, uh, there's, there's so many, I'm not going to call us weirdos because I'm, I'm that way, I've got 20 bottle trees in my yard, but there's a lot of people who are really enamored of glass in the garden. So, but now, where is she in South Carolina? I forget the, the name of the town. It's, it's called Supply, S-U-P-P-L-Y. And um, and if you're the reason I was in that location, I was going to Wilmington to see Airly Gardens. Have you seen there? Have you been there to see the big bottle house that they have there? I, I you know I wrote a book on bottle trees and other garden glass, and they have pictures. They have one uh, a, a bottle house that's got a huge butterfly made out of bottles. And uh, there's well, a picture that that's sure actually that's my bottle tree. But no, it's, no, no, it's it, like it is. Like, yeah. This one is like a little temple almost, and I mean, they have it kind of, you can't go in right now, and it's almost in disrepair. I was there in 2017, so I I haven't, I can't say what shape it's it's in now. But this is Wilmington, right? That's Wilmington at Airlift Gardens. Yeah, yeah, I have a, I have a, I've, I gave a lecture there, and I actually have a picture. Uh, it might have been around the corner from that, but it's a it's a wall made of bottles. It's uh, about three times as tall as I am, and it's got a butterfly bigger than I am, made out of bottles. I got a picture. Of, I actually have a picture of that on my on my blog on 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 bottle trees. Philorushing uh, dot blog. I just put up a a thing um, last week on bottle trees, and it's got a picture of that. Uh-huh. And it's th- there at that botanic garden. Right. It's a, it's a it's a beautiful place. But as as beautiful as it was, I loved Mary's better because she, she was a true folk artist. She just it stood still. She did something with it or glued it to something or or stacked it on top. And she's got this round little round house with bottles in it. I'll I'll, I'll have to email you some pictures if you haven't yeah, been there. Yeah, yeah, do, do that. It's been years and years and years since I've been there. Many, many years. It's probably been. 15 years since I gave my lecture there. But uh, anyway, do that. that. If you're in that part of the country, too, in Bishopville, South Carolina, I'm sure you you know about the... uh, I know Pearl Fryer Fryer really, really well. Pearl and I go... He actually has a flower pot made of a tire that I made for him there. Mm -hmm. Incredible, Incredible topiary artist. Right. But if you're there, go find... Bishopville, in Bishopville, there's also a button museum, and it's out in the middle of a field, and it's a, it's a metal building, and you just 
you know, ask somebody, follow the signs. It is amazing, too. It's just one little guy doing his weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know it's a personality type that does things like that. You know the the, the toilet paper lid. I mean the the toilet lid museum. The, uh, there's a there's a website. Whenever I go someplace new, I always go to this one website because it has a map of that state and all these little dots on there. Click on it's got the unusual things. It's called Roadside America. RoadsideAmerica.com. Mm-hmm. Click on Mississippi, and it'll have every weird thing you can find in Mississippi. And how to get to it, and you know what what it's like, and reviews and stuff. Roadside America's got all those kind of things. And one last thing, if you're in that part of the country, you've got to go to Wilson, North Carolina, and see the Whirly Gigs. <laughs> have you seen those? Those are no, amazing. No, no, Google. no. I have. I, I will. I, I appreciate it. There's so many fun things like that, and to me, looking for places like that takes you off the beaten path and it's not so much there the destination but they 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 let you know what what how creative people can be with a lot of times with recycled stuff anyway i appreciate that a whole bunch thank you vicky and felder i just uh went to roadsideamerica.com and they have yeah yeah, the the website and it's exactly as you said it has all the things i pulled up mary's going wild right there in uh in supply uh, North Carolina is a funky place. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so, sometimes click on, on the Mississippi uh, thing and look at all the strange things. It doesn't have my garden on there because it doesn't meet the it doesn't meet the standards for being weird, but it's got every weird thing you can imagine uh, in it. Anyway, and, and it's always fun. This is what keeps things off the beaten track. So anyway, let's uh, slide up down to Mobile and talk with Louise. Louise, how are you doing today? Okay, very well. Thank you. How about you? Good. So far, so good. What's up? Um, my daughter lives in Atlanta, and we love hibiscus, and she just sent me a picture of her hibiscus, and she's worried about it. I'm trying to explain it to you. The leaf is turning yellow, and then it has little sores on it. I kind of think it looks like monkeypox. <laughs> but anyway, they're um, like they're orange colored. Uh, are they orange colored? Are, the are they orange colored? No, they like little dark circles, and the center of it is turning brown, and just in some of them, just completely dying, like it leaves a hole in it. Yeah, uh, you know, without seeing a picture of it, I can't be sure, but there are there are, are several. Uh, there's a bacteria. There's several fungal back. Uh, fungal diseases that affect the foliage of all that that whole family from hollyhocks to cotton to 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 uh hibiscus and you know especially when we have a lot of rain and a lot of humidity if a spore splashes onto a plant and it stays humid and moist it grows into one of those circles and in turn it throws more spores around not much we can do about it except cut off the the leaves that are that are badly infected and if she wanted to keep it from from getting worse, you'd have to spray the new leaves that don't have the spots with a fungicide. It's sort of like a protective film. It doesn't cure the disease, but keeps clean leaves from getting disease. You just have to spray an awful lot, just like with roses. If you don't spray all the time, you know, there's not much you can do except snip off the bad-looking leaves. Okay. And just clip off the leaves, not the branches, not do a big cut back. That's that's right. I mean, she can cut it back because these things bloom on new growth. She, she wants to yeah. cut it back, 
But uh, if if it's not too far progressed, just snip off the band leaves, and you know you don't have to burn them or anything. Uh, just get them away from the plant because they splash spores from those infected leaves to uninfected leaves. So just keep an eye on that. Wonderful. We'll do that. Thank you so much. Okay. Good luck on it. Okay. Now let's slide over to Hendersonville. James, what's going on today? Hello, how are you guys doing today? Uh, my name is James. I'm from Hendersonville. I'm living in my grandmother and grandfather's old house trailer. And my grandmother always had an immaculate flower garden. And uh-huh. I'm not going to have it until this spring, but I would like to know. I don't have a tiller, so I'd have to do it by hand. So what I just want to do is see if this is okay. Um, what I just want to do is take off maybe an inch of soil, and that would get some of the, uh, the grass and stuff away. And what do I need to do to get the, the soil ready? Because it's not had any flowers in it probably about 20 years. Because my grandmother's yeah. been gone that long. Yeah, well, a couple of things. You know, you can dig it by hand. You don't really have to get rid of all that grass and stuff. And I'll tell you why. Because you can scoop it out there. And it's going to have to kill you to do that. But a lot of more is just going to come back from seeds. There's just not any yeah. real good way to do that. So what I've done, and this is when I have a brand new bed there's not not much room left in my garden but bed by bed the way i did them was i was i would dig two i would cut straight down with my shovel i make two cuts about as far apart as a shovel is wide right and then i start at one end i would just dig down and turn it upside down like you would a piece of cake you slice yeah. the cake up and you and take each one turn it with the icing on the bottom and the cake on the top if you do it a slight shovel slice at a time then that buries the stuff, and it actually, as it decomposes, it makes good dirt down deep. So instead of it scraping fertilizes, it off, the grass fertilizes the soil that I'm going to be putting the flowers in this spring. So that's a great idea. Yeah, it fertilizes and improves it. But but again, it, it's easy to do if you'll cut two lines and then dig the stuff out in between. Instead of just digging into a cake, you know, cut your two yeah. lines in it and then turn a piece. Do that a piece at a time, and then when you get that turned over, and you can do that a little at a time, find just some somebody find some tree leaves. Just you know, this fall when people start putting bags of leaves out on, you know, and just cover the ground up with that stuff. Just cover it up, and over the winter time, that will really improve your soil. So turn it upside down, add some organic matter, and uh, and you'll be well on your way. Excellent, thank you very. Much. We have tons of trees, so we can just get them right here from the front yard. Excellent. Yeah, Thank yeah. You if, you, if, if, if you could run your lawnmower on to take a leaf roll or rake or something, just rake them, just completely cover that area yeah. up with it. I mean, for that matter, you could kill the, the grass and stuff right now by, by just laying some cardboard over it and covering it up with tree leaves. And by springtime, the grass will be dead. You could dig it all up. It's called lasagna gardening. And just cover it with cardboard, cover that up with leaves, and it'll kill all the grass beneath it and just dig it all in together. A whole lot easier Excellent. to do Thank stuff you. just... It's a lot easier this time of year. Excellent. Thank you. I hope you have a great, great rest of the day. Thank you for your information. You bet, James. Thank you. And uh, folks who uh, are thinking what I am, bless your heart, James. That ain't going to be easy. But this idea of covering uh, grass up with cardboard and then covering it up with leaves and stuff, it really, really does work. If you've got a little time, it really, really works well. So we're going to take a real quick break. We've got plenty of time to take the phone calls plenty of time. So if you want to uh, give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, like Java and I were talking earlier, we're going to, uh, to check in with the medical professionals about this new bacteria, the soil-borne bacteria, 
that causes a rare disease called meliodosis. Not anything really to be worried about, not anything to be concerned about, but something to be aware of, And because uh, you're probably going to hear a lot about it. So we're going to keep it real. We're going to get down to the bottom line and what you can do from a practical point of view. Uh, I'm not worried about it myself. Uh, because so far it's just on the coast, but I'm not going to go out and dig in bare dirt with cut-up fingers after pruning my roses. Might put some gloves on for that. Anyway, we'll be right back with more of the Gestalt Gardener right here on MPB right after this. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Okie dokie folks, welcome back to Horticulture's Field of Rushing. If there's some things that you'd like to talk about, give us a call. It's toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. I've been fielding a lot of emails and uh, and seeing a lot of concerns on uh, the Mississippi Gardening Facebook about what to plant this time of year, what to do this time of year. And we are at the very tail end of when you can plant summer stuff like squash and set out tomato plants if you can find them and pepper plants and all and, yeah, you can set out cool season things, collars and broccoli and cabbage and lettuces, things like that. But you need to be prepared to water. But more important, they need to be mulched. Mulch, it could be bark. It could be shredded paper. It could be leaves. Anything that keeps the – it's sort of like putting an umbrella over the soil, like putting a blanket over it. It keeps the sun from heating – from overheating the soil it keeps the soil from crusting over and drying out as quickly, um, and it sort of moderates the. the it, it just it just moderates things. So if you're going to plant this time of year, work your dirt up, plant your stuff, and then as soon as they come up, cover the ground up with something like uh, bark or even some pine straw. It takes a little bit more pine straw. Pine straw needs to be put on two or three, four inches deep to really work. Bark only needs to be an inch or so deep, um, or a combination. But the main thing is cover the ground up to keep it cool in the daytime, and uh, moisture a little bit longer. That really does make a difference. With things like seeds, of course, lettuce and turnips and carrots, they don't like a lot of mulch. So you have to wait till they sprout before you lightly work out the dirt around them and then mulch around the plants. Uh, one of the things that, that I'm going to be doing uh, in a, uh, a few weeks when I get home is uh, getting ready, getting my garden ready for fall, for one thing. Uh, and that means uh, a little bit of weeding, you know, a lot of morning glory that's come up over the summer, a lot of things like that. Most of those weeds are pretty easy to pull. Um, but I just got a new type of hoe. It's not new. It's, it's ancient. Um, it looks like a hoe, but it's got a real thin blade, and I keep it sharp. Instead of chopping weeds, what you do is you pull it, and you just sort of scuffle. It's like shaving the, the, the ground. Instead of chopping, it's like shaving. And if you've ever shaved your face or your legs or your underarms or whatever with a dull old razor, you know when you get a new razor how much easier it works, more efficiently. It just works better with less effort. That's what a sharp edge does to a hoe. So if you've got a hoe or a shovel, you want to get the most out of it with the least amount of effort on your end, 
get you a flat-bladed file, preferably one that's got a handle on it so you don't scrape your knuckles, and just just every now and then stop what you're doing and just put a little sharp edge on, on it. And that way it just crunches, it slices. so much. If you're having to chop, there's something wrong. So a sharp hoe, believe it or not, is one of the most effective, fastest ways to control weeds. And it loosens up the soil, which makes sort of like a dust mulch. So if you don't have room for, let's say if you've got a big garden, you don't have room for a lot of bark or pine straw or, or leaves, as a mulch, use what's called a dust mulch. Just lightly work the ground up, just enough to scrape the weeds and provide just a little bit of loose dirt to cover up uh, the, the dirt uh, a little bit further down. A whole lot easier to go. So I feel like the job that I'm sometimes preaching to the choir, but a lot of people know that you know the old, old things still work. And I believe this is probably the type of advice that goes around the Facebook, uh, the Mississippi Gardening Facebook page, you know, because you got the people that come in and, and I mean, you, like you say, you preach it to the choir, but same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, sometimes somebody say, you know, I've got this problem, and, and I say, well, I would do this and this and this, and somebody go, comes back and says, Phil, you don't have to do any of that stuff. Just do this, you know, trying to keep it real. So sometimes that the, the scientific community, the horticulture community, the production-oriented, sales-oriented community sometimes has different approach towards perfection than what I call garden variety gardeners. They just want to get the job done. So one of my big jobs is to take sometimes complex things, even to me, and break them down into plain English. You know, here's what Mama would have done. Here's what Aunt Mamie would have done. And she, they didn't do any of that horticulture. It's like pruning roses. They say prune roses above an outward-facing five-leaflet leaf. You can prune roses with cherry bombs, and they'll still bloom. So somewhere in between what Aunt Mamie did out of just not knowing any better, what a horticulturist, a rose society person would do, somewhere in between is going to be about right. So, yeah. Well, Fred, are we pulling up our last call, um, um, our call screener, Charles, the intern, he's in there in there queuing them up. But I, I want to say this, rosesideamerica.com, I want to say thank you for this. Because this, <laughs> you didn't know about that? I did not know about any of this, and it has – it has hit me to some different things around the state. Like, I didn't know Ayuka is the home of the world's largest apron museum. Um, you have uh, the 35-foot uh, chair uh, in Gulfport, the, um, the, big, the big rocking chair. And then something even more crazy in Baxter, Baxterville, um, they have a, atomic bombs were exploded there. In 1964-1966, as part of Project Dribble, and they have a monument, you know, as like you say, just something to see that's off the beaten path. Like, who knew yeah. about some of these things? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, right at the very bottom of the Delta on Highway 61 is a little town called Onward. Onward, and only, it's just a store. But that's where Teddy Roosevelt went on a bear hunt, and he refused to kill a bear that was cha- chained up. And so they, they that's where the teddy bear came from, Onward, Mississippi. Yeah. Now let's go to this last call. We got Joey okay. in Newton County going to uh, help us end the show. Hey, Zoe, what's up? Uh, I actually wasn't listening to the program, but somebody told me that there was a question about a pest attacking hibiscus. Yeah. A few minutes ago, I have a good idea what it is. It's probably soft flies. Soft flies—they're—they're they're not flies. They're related to bees and wasps. If the person right. checked 
check the underside of the leaves, they may find the the uh, <laughs> the villain, the actual thing that the sawflies themselves don't eat the leaves. It's the grub, the larva. But are little, these holes in the leaves? Yeah, it's a little maggot type thing. I could send you some. I have even photographed the things where they're no, kind of no, small. No, I'm, no, no. I'm for me with sawflies. It just it did not occur to me. This is what makes them look lacy leaf. Yes, yes. It's they're one of the. Uh, their favorite food is apparently hibiscus. Native, non-native, you name it, they like it. Yeah, uh, somebody said, you know, they're really hard to control, too. So uh, uh, what what I suggest is, is just take your glasses off and call it lace leaf hibiscus and go with the flow. And that's <laughs> Joe McGee. Thank you, Joe. Joe, he's a frequent <laughs> uh, contributor on uh, uh, Creature Comforts, and he was actually on the show just yesterday. Joe always, Joe knows just about everything, man. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I didn't think about soft lines. I was I was picturing round circles instead of just a skeletonized leaf. But anyway, living and learning, you know. I, yeah, I've written 30-something books. I know some stuff, but there's a lot of stuff I just don't know. And together, we're going to figure it out. We're going to learn stuff together. And I'm all right with that. That's one of my one of my hallmarks is loving to learn and loving to share. And that's what we do on MPB is we, we learn stuff, we share, we kick around ideas. And if we don't know something, we'll find it out. We'll figure it out. We're not going to be a bunch of know-it-alls here. And uh, so garden variety gardeners, horticulturists, people are just dirt gardeners. We're going to get together and find common ground. Hey, if you get a chance, take a kid to a farmer's market this weekend. There's lots of cool stuff going on there. And they can talk to people who actually grow the bees where they make the honey and stuff like that. Show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty.